We read God's word this evening in the gospel according to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And we read the whole chapter. When he was come down from the mountain, that is Jesus, following his sermon on the mount concerning the kingdom, chapter 8, verse 1. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will. Be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See, thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, that is evening, when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, 
insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding. So so the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coasts. Thus far the reading of God's holy and inspired word, Matthew chapter 8. The text that we consider this evening is chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Verses 16 and 17 of Matthew 8. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, what a sight that was that evening in Capernaum. And what that must have looked like if we had been there and observed that this event that we consider this evening taking place. Outside Peter's door, all manner of sick and diseased and demon-possessed. A scene of this world on this side of the fall. And all of these brought to Jesus, that great physician, the resurrection and the life, the light of the world, and he who has brought life and immortality to light by the gospel. Right in the midst of that sickness and disease and suffering and brokenness and kingdom of darkness, there stood Jesus Christ, the Savior healer with whose stripes we are healed. There in the midst, outside Peter's door, stood the king that God promised would come into this world, who would usher in the kingdom of heaven, the righteousness and eternal life of the world to come. The king, the Messiah, promised of old to the fathers, here he is, doing his work, 
a flashing forth and a glimpse already then of the kingdom of heaven that was at hand. Wonderful text and wonderful presentation to us of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sir, we would see Jesus, the Greek said to one of Jesus' disciples. And Jesus reveals himself to us by this word that we consider here. A word that was fulfillment. Verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. So what we have before us then is the coming of the king. The nature of that coming. The purpose of that coming. The effect of the coming of the king. A gospel word that we consider under the theme, the king heals the sick. Noticing in the first place the sickly scene. Noticing in the second place the wonderful healing. And noticing in the third place the powerful means. Well, what did that scene look like? We'll get into that a little bit at the beginning of the sermon. We learn from the text that this took place in Capernaum, in the house of Simon Peter. Jesus having just healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law, who was sick of a fever. We learn from a parallel passage that the evening had come the evening after the Sabbath day. So it's Capernaum. It's the evening after the Sabbath. People in town had heard of the wonderful things that Jesus did. And now once evening comes, uh, the the, the whole city, as it were, comes uh, to Peter's door, bringing many sick to be healed by the great physician. We learn in the text that there were brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. Now, perhaps we read past that and we we say, yes, Jesus healed the devils and the demon-possessed. But if we were there, we would have been horrified to see these brought towards Peter's house. At the time of Jesus' coming, we find out that the kingdom of darkness was, was at work, exercising itself very vigorously at the time that the king came into the world. And there were some in Israel, in Judea, that were under the control and influence of hostile spirits, demons, devils of the kingdom of darkness, the the kingdom of which the devil is prince. And that demon possession manifested itself bodily, mentally, We learn, for example, when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and the man brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus, we learn of this son that was thrashing on the ground and you read of people foaming at the mouth and, and things like that. Well, these are the ones now who come, who are brought to Jesus, the very demon-possessed. In addition, we read that there were sick there, Sick and diseased. Consider the number of sicknesses and diseases of which Scripture speaks. Uh, Paralysis, palsy, uh, and other things. Sicknesses and diseases of the mind. Uh, Lepers that uh, that had leprosy. Sicknesses and diseases not visible to the eye. 
but something wrong within. All manner of sick and diseased brought unto Jesus. The blind, the deaf, the lame, the mute, and all of the rest. Mark chapter 1, we read this expression, and all the city was gathered at the door. And now just put yourself in Peter's house in Capernaum. And and the sun is, is setting, evening has come, and you open up the curtains as it were on the window. Jesus is inside. He's just healed your mother in law. And you open up the curtains of the window, and next thing you know, you see all kinds of people flocking to Peter's door. Now you look over here and you see uh, a man leading someone who's blind. And as that blind man comes closer, you can see in his eyes that he is blind. And he's probably wearing rags and tattered clothing because he's been a beggar his whole life. But you look over on the other side and you see two men carrying a cot, say. And in that cot is a man who's never walked a day in his life, paralyzed from the waist down. You look in another place and you see someone leading someone, the symptoms of whom suggest one thing and one thing alone, demon possession. And your insides wrench when you see this person coming closer and closer. But here's another person, doesn't look like there's anything wrong with him, but he's so bowed down that you know that there's something so awry inside and he needs to be healed. And what happened then is the ground outside Peter's home became a hospital ward. As though all of these beds with all of these sicknesses and all of these diseases and all of these people needing to be healed. And it was not a pretty sight. Not a pretty sight. So we have to be careful when we read Scripture not to sanitize these accounts. That happens sometimes where accounts of Scripture become sanitized. For example, uh, the circumstances of Jesus' birth. And around Christmas time, you drive around and you see all of these cute manger scenes and everyone's got their best on, their fine clothing, really nice, warm, cozy light, this great cradle uh, for, for Jesus, etc., etc. That's not what it looked like. Don't sanitize that account. Uh, don't underestimate the coming of Jesus Christ into this world. If you were to walk into that uh, stable, It probably would have smelled like there were animals that had been in there. You would have seen an ordinary young woman with a baby in her arms wrapped in ordinary swaddling clothes and there was a feeding trough for his bed. It was not pretty, uh, glamorous and things like that. Well, neither do we sanitize this account now in Matthew chapter 8. Brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. Demon-possessed people, paralyzed people, blind, deaf, uh, palsy, etc., and etc. So that if we were to have been there, we would have wanted to make, uh, taken a wide berth around that whole scene. We wouldn't have wanted to go anywhere near it. Well, they that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick. Jesus didn't come into this world to save people uh, who are healthy. He came into this world to save sick people. And by nature, that is exactly what we are, is sick. Be our physical health as 
uh, as fine as it may be, by nature we are sick sinners. This scene that God presents to us here in this chapter was a window, as it were, a, a snapshot of this world on this side of the fall. There was so much fallenness outside the door. What do we mean by that? Well, where did these, where, where did these sicknesses and diseases come from? When did they make their entrance into the world? When did de- demon possession make its entrance into the world? If you, were to, if you were to trace back the origin, you trace it all the way back to human sin in the Garden of Eden. One man's sin and by one man's sin and our sin in Adam, death came into this world. Death as the punishment for sin. And sicknesses and diseases belong to the consequences of death that we brought in because of our sin. They have their source in the fall. But our misery is not just sicknesses and diseases bodily. But our misery by nature is guilt. Guiltiness. Uh, deservedness of punishment because of our transgressions against the holy God. Not only guilt, but our misery by nature is that we are infected with original corruption. The Belgian Confession talks about that. This corruption that infects even infants, it says. That we have received from Adam, from our first parents. While Jesus came into this world to save sinners, the apostle says. Not people who are doing fine. Not people who don't need help. But he came into this world to save sinners of whom, says the apostle, uh, say we by faith, I am chief. And so when it comes to our appraisal and our attitude towards this mass of people outside Peter's door, be not as the Pharisees. Be not as the Pharisees. One chapter later, Matthew chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, we read, this time Jesus is eating with publicans and sinners. And the Pharisees, when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let us not, as it were, stand like this, observing from a distance the sick and the diseased. Or in Matthew 9, the publicans and the sinners, like this, as though we don't share in that. As though by nature we're any better. As though we do not need a physician and we do not need healing. One of the attitudes of Phariseeism, one of the great symptoms of Phariseeism, a legal disposition, a works righteousness, you've made yourself to differ kind of legalism. One of the great and bitter fruits of that is despising of others. Turning one's nose down at others as though you were any better 
we have it badly. That's the literal translation of, of them that were sick, them that had it badly. And in and of ourselves, we have it badly. So that rather than uh, stare from a distance at this scene, say, there am I in that mass. There am I in that, that uh, conglomeration of sickness and disease and, and uh, guilt and corruption and all of the rest. There's healing. There is healing. Jesus healed the sick, and he still heals the sick. Though now in his body, Jesus is in heaven. And now, just consider for a moment who your Lord and Savior is. This is, this is wonderful. Notice that Jesus, perceiving that all of these people were being brought to him, notice that Jesus does not uh, shrink back. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't tell Peter, Peter, throw the bolt on the door. Jesus does not adopt an attitude of, I'm not going to get near that with a 10-foot pole. Rather, Jesus receives them determined to heal them because that's what he came to do. Because that's who he is. That's his office. It's an office of healing. And as the great physician, he goes to work. Luke 4 verse 40 says, And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Laid his hands on. Amazing. He cast out many devils. And they that had come uh, possessed with the devil, they go home free, at liberty, rejoicing and happy. Them that were blind who came, they go home seeing, probably for the first time in their lives. Them that came on the cot paralyzed, they go home leaping as in heart with the vigor of youth. It was wonderful. And it was fulfillment too of, of prophecy. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now that is a very significant connection that the Holy Spirit himself forges by his servant Matthew when it comes to what Jesus was doing and what it was about. And we read that this was a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 53. Now Isaiah 53, you're familiar with that. The amazing chapter, who hath believed our report, that presents the Messiah to come in the suffering that he would experience for the salvation of his people. He was bruised for our uh, transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The great Old Testament passage that uh, reveals to the church of the Old Testament the substitutionary atoning work of the servant of the Lord. What's the connection, though? Verse 4 of Isaiah 53 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And the word griefs there can also be translated sicknesses. And sorrows can be translated pains. 
And the translation we're given in Matthew 8, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. The question is, how does Jesus' healing relate to his substitutionary sufferings as the Messiah? What does this physical healing have to do with the message of Isaiah chapter 53? In what sense was this substitutionary? Well, it does not mean that Jesus in healing them that were sick at that moment in time vicariously became sick with the sickness that he lifted off from them that were sick. As though Jesus became blind in that moment and became deaf in the stead of those who had been blind and had been deaf. But there was burden here. There was a bearing of burden. And in the first place, it teaches us that when Jesus healed the sick, he didn't do that disinterestedly in a kind of cold and clinical, unfeeling way. But Jesus really entered into the sufferings of them that came unto him. And he felt the sufferings that they suffered and the heaviness of it. Think about uh, the book of Hebrews. We do not have a high priest who's not able to be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus knows uh, what it feels like. But even deeper, the connection between Matthew 8 and Isaiah chapter 53, recall that these sufferings that these people were experiencing have their origin in the fall of man into sin and belong to the consequences of death that man brought in because of his sin. And when Jesus healed the sick, the significance of that was Jesus undoing the consequences of the fall into sin, teaching that Jesus would take those consequences upon himself in order to deliver us from our fallenness and our sin and our guilt and our corruption and save us from our sins. That Jesus is the consequence for sin bearer of his people. Suffering and submitting himself to death on our account to deliver us from death and to give us life everlasting with God. Important to note here as well, when in the New Testament we come across these passages where Jesus heals from bodily sicknesses and diseases. And there's many an example of them in Holy Scripture. Perhaps we, our manner of, perhaps our manner of interpretation of those passages goes something like this. Jesus healed the blind. That was a picture of how Jesus heals us from our spiritual blindness Jesus healed the paralyzed. Uh, The healing from paralysis symbolizes the spiritual uh, gift whereby Jesus uh, causes us to walk again, ethically. Or Jesus heals the leper, which talks about how Jesus heals us from our our, uh, corruption. And that's true. There is that bodily, spiritual metaphor there. And that's a, that's a fair interpretation of the text. But don't miss this interpretive 
aspect, when we read these passages, what you have going on here is a flashing forth, a flashing forth of the new, a flashing forth of the kingdom of heaven that God promised from, uh, from all eternity and through the Old Testament would come. A flashing forth of the kingdom of heaven and the new Think about Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Well, already now, in these early stages in Jesus' public ministry, it's flashing forth. The kingdom's here. The new is here. Because remember, that was God's promise to his people. That there was a, there was a man coming who would deliver his people from sin and death who would do away with the consequences of the fall that we brought in, who would bring forth righteousness and eternal life, who would make all things new and give us salvation world without end. Here he is. Matthew chapter 12, verse 8. Very important text in this regard. Uh, Matthew 24, uh, Matthew 12, rather, verse 28. Jesus says, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, this is when they accused him of being in the service of Beelzebub. You're doing this by the power of Beelzebub, said his enemies. Jesus uh, dispatches that uh, reasoning, and he says, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So that this casting out of devils in Matthew chapter 8 and this healing of the sick and this healing of the diseased means the kingdom is come in the person of Jesus Christ and the effect of his coming and the effect of that kingdom presence is this healing from sicknesses and diseases. This casting out of devils, this warring against and conquering the kingdom of darkness. It was a flashing forth of the fullness that God is going to bring in when Jesus comes again and all things are made new. And what a way in which Jesus came the first time. What a coming of our Lord and Savior into this world. John chapter 1 says the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And literally there the Word was made flesh and he pitched his tabernacle with us. He dwelt with us. He, he dwelt on the face of this earth. And what this text teaches us and, and the, the New Testament as a whole, Jesus came down from heaven, the Son of God incarnate, And he pitched his tent right in the middle of this fallen, sinful, death-ridden, suffering, broken world. Right in the midst of the guilt, right in the midst of the corruption, here comes God himself in the flesh, in his son Jesus Christ. He got right into the trench. Beginning with his birth, right into the trench. Doesn't even have a, a crib His clothes are ordinary. There's nothing fancy or glamorous about it. That was the story of his life. And here is Jesus in Matthew 8, right in the trenches, with his boots on, as it were, 
doing the work that he came to do. Not stretching, not standing back at an arm's distance, but entering right into it. And what a coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because what does Isaiah 53 say? Who hath believed our report? And what does Isaiah 53 present? It presents the only way whereby God would save his people from their sins, give them everlasting righteousness and eternal life and peace with God. And what was that way? That way that was so shocking to the Jews at that time, that was scandalous. That way that even Jesus' disciples couldn't fathom at the time. It was the way of the cross, the way of suffering, and the way of death. Crucifixion of the Messiah. And that's what Jesus did as our king. That was kingly work that Jesus was about that Good Friday. Because as king, Jesus came into this world to save us from our sins. And what what did that require of him? It required that Jesus offer himself up as an atonement for our sins and a satisfaction for our guilt to the justice of God. Who hath believed our report? That's how shocking. That God should save his people from their sins through a Messiah who dies through a Messiah who's hanged on a Roman cross, is mocked and treated as a criminal, taunted, scorned. But that was the only way because the cause of our misery was our sin. And the only way for salvation through atonement. And with his stripes, Isaiah 53 says, those stripes that were laid upon him, the blood that poured from his body on the wood, with his stripes, because of and by his death on the cross, we are healed. We are healed. That healing will include healing of the bodily sicknesses and diseases too. That healing includes the resurrection of the body, a body made new. What a comfort and hope uh, for the child of God who suffers uh, infirmity of body or mind uh, in this life, a chronic illness, terminal disease. With his stripes we are healed, and it includes that too. Now we, with patience we wait for it. With his stripes we are healed from our sin. What does the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ mean for you? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. It's all yours, believer. What does it mean that yours is the kingdom of heaven? It means that all your sins are forgiven. All of your iniquity and all of your transgression is pardoned by the blood of Jesus Christ. It means that as a believer, you are an heir of eternal life now and to come. Heaven is yours. God has given you a divine right to the the whole inheritance. Yours is the kingdom of heaven right now. 
you are in Jesus Christ a new creature. You have been delivered from all the power of the devil, and you belong unto Jesus Christ the Lord. Yours is the kingdom of heaven to come. The kingdom has come through the death and resurrection of Jesus. The fullness is coming. Jesus is on the way. What does it mean that that yours is the kingdom of heaven to come? Well, it means that one day we will finally be delivered from the sufferings of this present life. And there are sufferings. And they are great. And the afflictions are many. There is still sin and temptation. There is this already not yet, justified by faith in his blood. At the same time, we remain sinners and we feel sin every day. There is this tension while the kingdom's coming and final deliverance from sin and temptation is coming. What does it mean about the sicknesses and diseases that the child of God has in this life? Does it mean that in this present age, God will make them go away? Not necessarily. Here's another aspect of the already not yet. Jesus uh, has risen from the dead, and by his death, he put death to death and brought life and immortality to light. And yet, what do we experience, and what do we see all around us? Death. One day, we will be finally delivered from that as well. But already now in this life, because of Jesus Christ and because of what he's done, there is no more sting in death. Death and the consequences uh, that belong to death, there's no more punishment in those for them that believe in Jesus. And laid up in store for us is the life everlasting in body and soul, the resurrection of the body, the new heaven and the new earth. So beautiful and so gorgeous that God had to use pictures and symbols to convey to us a glimpse of what it's going to be like. Well, that's the good news for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Yours now, yours to come, and all that come unto Jesus Christ, he will in no wise cast out. How does Jesus heal in this passage How does Jesus heal? By his word. Matthew 8, 16. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And we find word in other places in chapter 8 as well. Jesus says, verse 3, Be thou clean, and the leprosy is gone. Jesus, The centurion himself says in verse 8, All you have to do is speak the word. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. When Jesus stilled the waters of Galilee, that was by his word, he rebuked the storm and there was calm. Jesus in verse 32 says, go, speaks the word, and they go. The devils themselves who don't stand a chance in front of the king. So there was a lot of word that evening in Capernaum. Jesus was telling the lame, rise up and walk. He was uh, telling the blind, see. And he was telling the the deaf, hear. Your ears be open. Telling them that were paralyzed, uh, get up and walk. 
charging the devils to come out of them whom they had possessed. And you notice that that word had an effect. It did what Jesus said. Very important idea there. That teaches us that Jesus' word has power. It is effective. It accomplishes what it purposes to do and does not return unto him void. And that ought not to surprise us because this is the word of God in the flesh. And when God speaks, God does, and his word does not return unto him void. Already in Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. He called into existence the things that were not before. And in Matthew chapter 8, when Jesus addresses the winds and the seas and they obey him, well, they heard the voice of their creator speaking. And they obeyed because God himself addressed them. That's the wonder and the power of of God's word. If we were to stand on the beach, say, um, of Lake Michigan on a stormy day, big billows, wind, etc., and if we were to yell at the top of our lungs uh, for Lake Michigan to be still, nothing would change. And in fact, the, the winds and the waters themselves might even become more aggressive as though to taunt us and to say to us, uh, who do you think you are and what do you think you're trying to do? But when Jesus speaks the word, it has an effect. That's true. We see that on the pages of Holy Scripture in Jesus' public ministry, and it is no less true today with Jesus in heaven. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. The power of God unto salvation. That doesn't mean that faith makes the gospel powerful. In fact, God's gospel is so powerful that it creates the faith that the call of the gospel calls for. It takes effect by the Spirit of Jesus Christ in the hearts of God's elect the fruit of which is that we believe. It does not return void. And that means then that the official mission of the church in the midst of this world is to preach the gospel. To preach the gospel far and wide because it is the power of God unto salvation and the promise of the gospel to everyone who believes in Jesus That is the mandate that Jesus left the church. And we bring this point up because you'll notice here that, well, this is a passage about Jesus healing, and maybe some would misunderstand that or misinterpret that as to say that the church's official mission is a social program or something to that effect. Well, the church's official mission is not to heal physically. Although we ought to have a regard for our neighbor's health and love our neighbor with respect to his body as well. There's nothing wrong with that. We ought to do good unto all and especially them that are of the household of faith. Neither is the official mission of the church to seek to relieve the world from poverty. Although there as well. There is an aspect of relieving the needy in the church's benevolence through the diaconate very much so. The point is, the calling of all callings that Jesus has commissioned the church is to preach the word and to preach the gospel. 
what, very practically, what, is that, what does that mean? Um, how to bring this out. Sometimes when you open the news app on your phone and you see so much misery and suffering and death, you can't, go, you can't open the news app without seeing it. It's pervasive. It's everywhere. Sin and death. Sin and death. Sin and death. Well, what's the answer? What's the answer to it? And the answer is Jesus, who by his death abolished death on the basis of his substitutionary atonement and has brought life and immortality to light by the gospel. By that means, God calls out of darkness into his marvelous light, gives the hope of life now and the life to come, bestows the forgiveness of sins, absolves his people of all of their guilt. This gospel must be preached. And it must continue to be preached to us, too, as a congregation gathered Don't ever think, oh, he needs the gospel more than I. Or that such and such, they need to hear the gospel more than I do. No, I need to hear the gospel, and you need to hear the gospel again and again and again. We never graduate from the gospel in this life. We never graduate. We never come to a point, oh, now we don't need to hear the gospel anymore. Not at all. And doesn't our own experience witness to that? We leave church Sunday, we enter the week on Monday, and sin. And we have a sinful nature that we feel every day. And again and again, the sheep are are brought to church needing to hear that God forgives them. Yes, my son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. Or consider the troubles and sorrows that we as church and believers personally experience in this life, by reason of which our soul is downcast and our hearts are heavy and overwhelmed, and we we mourn and we grieve. Well, give me the good news of life everlasting through Jesus Christ the Lord. And that these sufferings and this life that we live is not in vain. You see, the fold of the church is a place where we poor, needy, and sick are healed. It's not a museum of those that have arrived. It's a hospital. It's a ward in which Jesus administers medicine to sick people, administers medicine to sinners. And he continues to be physician to us. And just hear, hear, hear of Jesus. Hear of Jesus, what he does from Scripture. He does not break the bruised reed or quench the smoking flax. He binds up the brokenhearted and comforts all them that mourn. He gives unto them that mourn in Zion beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, 
He applies to us the balm of Gilead that he procured through his sufferings and his death. He forgives our sins and by his spirit assures us of eternal life. And he gives to us a thirst of the water of life freely. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, we give thee thanks for thy word and that thou art with us by thy word and by thy spirit. And we pray, sanctify us, renew us, forgive us, assure us, and lead us poor sheep through this valley of tears through which we go fraught with sin and death and guide us into the life everlasting in the world to come. We thank Thee that Thou hast given us to Jesus Christ and given Him to us so that we may say, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And that all of the riches that are in Him, He freely shares with us by His grace and Spirit and is conducting us to that haven of everlasting rest in the new heaven and the new earth. Forgive our sins that we have committed and keep sin far from us in this night. Cause us to go forth in this week to come with good courage in our hearts through Jesus Christ. That we may seek to be faithful and diligent unto thee in the callings thou hast given us in gratitude for this so great salvation. All these things we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.